Okay, we're learning that Kodalad Mebez, we're getting the first line. Pachach Paris al So in the mission, we learned that somebody who's improperly dressed could be Paris al but he's not allowed to uh, read from the Torah. So on that, Bami Ula Barav Miabaye, Ula Barav asks Abaye, Katan Pachach Maushikabatara, Katan, who's improperly dressed. Is it mutter for him to read from the Torah or not? Now, it's not clear what his question was. Rashi seems to learn that the issue with being improperly dressed is some kind of a siyag for uh, for, for saying with, with the erva exposed. So even though uh, here it's covered, but I guess other parts of his body are exposed. Others learn that the question was because the katan is not mitzvah in covered of a tibor. So maybe for the katan it would be okay. Amrle. So Abai said back to him, why didn't you ask me whether Katan, who's completely arum, completely naked, could daven? That you didn't ask. Arum my time with Why didn't you ask me that? Because you understood that it's a lack of covered tibur, and tibur himself wouldn't uh, wouldn't shouldn't allow an arum to daven for them, even though he's a katan. Achanami here too. Shum covered tibur. It still is a lack of covered tibur, and, and perhaps according to Rashi, the pshat is that the tibur. Is the one who has to uh, to ensure that the represent that the representative that the one who reads in the Torah before them should be properly dressed. So therefore, even a katan pacheach is not allowed to read from the Torah. The Mishnah said that the summa can be paris hashema, and Rabbi Yehuda said no, a blind person cannot be paris hashema because he has to say the bracha yotzer hamaoros, and if he never saw the light of day, he can't make that bracha. Tanya, so going to brisa, armulol Rabbi Yehuda chacham said Rabbi Yehuda. Why do you need to be able to see the light in order to make the bracha? Harbe Many people sought to darsh in the ma'aseh merkava, and they never saw it in their lives. Meaning to say, there's a whole Indian of ma'aseh merkava, which describes the throne of a kaddish baruchu. So they had actually a nevuah of this ma'aseh merkava, but many chachamim are able to darsh in the ma'aseh merkava. This is some form of limud kabbalah. And without ever having to see it, they're able to, to darshan it. So why can't I make a brach of Yosef Oros without actually seeing light? Who the reader says, no, there's a difference. Hasam there, when it comes to Maisim Rukhava, the Havanta Delibutayimilsa, it really is totally in the Havana Saleh, in understanding. Right? The Iker Indian of Maisim Rukhava is, uh, is a certain degree of understanding that a person has. And there, what you see with your eyes is not really the Iker. I guess you could see. Not even understand. The main thing is how you understand it. So therefore, without seeing it, you can dash right? The person is machaven. He focuses. He thinks. He knows about it. He understands it, and and that's sufficient. But here, in the case of the bracha is a bracha that we have for benefiting, for enjoying the light. And this blind person, lastly, he does not have hana from light, and therefore, according to Yehuda, he cannot make the bracha. Rabbanan, now, what do the Rabbanan hold? They hold no. Even a blind person has enough. How does a blind person has a, have enough, have pleasure and benefit from light? Like Kabyaisi, the Tanya, what does the Raisi say? It says in the Braisa, All of my days I was troubled. I was pained by this Pasak that I didn't know Pshadan it. It says, You will be wandering around, groping around in the middle of the afternoon. As a blind man is groping around in the dark, meaning to say 
that you in the afternoon when it's light will not be able to see and you'll be as though a blind man is groping around in the dark. The question is, if it's comparing you to somebody blind, what difference does it make to an either? What does an either care about? I feel a lot whether it's dark or whether it's light. The blind man can't see even in broad daylight. So why doesn't it just say that you'll be groping around in the afternoon like an either, like a blind person? Or like somebody in the dark? Why like an either in the dark? Sabiosi says, I had a hard time understanding this pasuk until something happened to me. One time I was walking in the dark of night, it was pitch black, and I saw a blind man who was walking along the road, and he was carrying in his hand a torch to give him a light. And I said, Why do you need this torch? You're blind. Doesn't it doesn't help you to see? I'm released, so the blind man told me. Well, as long as this torch is in my hand, and the other row, you know, see people see me. They see me and they see where I'm going. And they can save me from falling into ditches and things in the ground. And from different thorns and perhaps thistles, different dangerous things that might be on the road. And that's the point that pleasure, the Hana that a Suma has, that a blind man has from the light. It's not necessarily what he's able to see with it, but it's what other people are able to see around him and help him out because of that. That's the Anah, and according to Rabban, and that's enough to make the Brachi Yotzer according to Bidu, that's not enough. The Mishnah says, Kohen, Shiesh, Biyadav, Mumin. If a Kohen has Mumin on his hands, different kinds of blemishes, like we'll see, Laisa's Kapav, he shouldn't raise up his hands to Duchen. What's the point? Rashi says the point is that these Mumin will attract attention. People will look at his hands, the like Gemara says in Sota, or in Chagiga, that if somebody looks at the hands of the Kohanim when they're uh, duchening, his eyes, his vision will be uh, will be affected. Taisa says that's only true during the Birchas Kainim and the Bishavigdash, when they give the brachas with the shame of a Farash. Rather, he says it's just a distraction. People will not be focusing on the bracha, they'll be more interested in what's what his hands are looking like. So, a Kohanim has a movement on his hands, he's not like a duchening. Even if somebody's hands were dyed with satis, some kind of a uh, dye, I think it's a yellow dye, but he says Kapov, he also shouldn't do it. Because the people look at him. Tanis, the Gemara, is a Brisa. The women that we said here are even the Panov, even on his face, Yadav on his hands, Ragbar on his feet. Anywhere is a problem. Now, apparently in the olden days, they weren't covering the coin and wasn't covering his hands and his face with the talus, so people could see his hands and his face. And according to Rashi, if you would be looking at his face, so then his eyes might be drawn towards his hands. Certainly if the movement around his hands or on his feet, the same thing will be drawn towards his face. According to Taisvitz, the idea again is that it's a distraction. And wherever they are, he'll be, stra- he'll be distracted and focusing on that and not focusing on the bracha. If a crayon's hands are, are uh, splotched with white spots, Lee says kappa, also he couldn't do it. Again, that's a mum that attracts attention. Like that as well. His hands are splashed white. Like says, his hands are bent forward. In other words, grossly uh, malformed. They're bent sideways. These things are going to attract people's attention. On Ravasi, Ravasi said another halacha. A person from Haifa, a person from Beit Sha'an, he should not do it. Why not? So we'll see in a moment. Tani, Namiyach, remember the Bryce says this as well. 
you don't allow to go before the Teva, meaning to daven for the Yavad. Not people from Bitshan, not people from Tifa. Why not? Because these people are not careful how they pronounce their words. And they say an Aleph like an Ayin, and an Ayin like an Aleph. And that's not the ideal way to pronounce the words. So to Embrechaskan, in Rashi says, instead of saying, which means that Hashem will shine the light of his face, in other words, goodness upon you, they might likely say, Hashem should pour his uh, his wrath upon you. That's what happens when you pronounce an Aleph like an Ayin. It goes from giving light to pouring uh, wrath. The Gemara brings an interesting Maisa uh, here. Amalei Abichia, Rabbi Shimon Barabi. Abichia said, Rabbi Shimon Barabi. Abichia was Rabbi's nephew. Rabbi Shimon Barabi was his first cousin. He said to him, Elmali Levi, if you were not a Levi, or sorry, if you would have been a Levi, you would be possible from going up to the platform where the Levium would sing the Shira from in the Mishnah. Why? Because your voice is, is too deep. You have a good voice. So Asas or Bishim and Rebbe came. I guess he was a little insulted. He told his father what Rabbi Chia said about him. So Rabbi said to Bishim Zil, you go, and tell him, when you reach the Pasuk, and read the Pasuk that talks about waiting for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you pronounce it with a hey, and it sounds like you're saying, and I will hit Hashem, aren't you speaking blasphemously and disrespectfully towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So, uh, obviously we have to understand this Gemara, Amr Avun Avun said, Zavalgan, a person who has very teary eyes, eyes that are constantly watering again, this attracts attention. He says, Kapos, you shouldn't go to Duchen. Right? The Gemara of Ahu, Davavavavusayavun, but there was a certain person who had very teary eyes, and he was in the neighborhood of Avun Avavaparis Yadai, and he would Duchen. Gemara says, Ahu, that fellow Dash, but you have, he was frequent in the city, meaning everyone knew him. Since everyone knew him, nobody was, uh, was thinking about him. He wasn't uh, a cause for uh, for their attention. He was old. He's like that. Also, a person with teary eyes, he says, Kappa, but if everybody knows about him, he's frequently around there, so then he's not there. If a person is blind in one eye, apparently in a way that it's noticeable, maybe he's missing an eye, but he says, Kappa, he can't do it. And there was one person who was blind in one eye, and in his neighborhood, and he would do it. The Gemara says again, He was Dash Be'iro, everybody knew him and was familiar with him, and it wasn't a distracting time. The Gemara also brings like that. Unless people are frequent and uh, know him, then that's fine. Yehuda Omer, Yehuda said in the Mishnah that Mishahayu Yad of Tzvuos, if his hands are dyed, also Lisa's Kapov. Most of the people in the city, that's their business. Most of the people deal with colors and dyes and paints and have them on their hands. So then, of course, it doesn't attract attention anymore, and it would be mutter. That's the general rule. Anything that uh, that would attract people's attention and either cause them to look at their hands or just distract their attention from their brachos would be a problem, 
Mishnah. Omer, if a person were to say any over the teva, I refuse to stand before the teva. I refuse to dive in for the tzibur between with colored clothing. So even if he's wearing white clothing and he's willing, we will not let him pass before. Meaning, we refuse to allow such a person to dive in. And if a person says besandling over, I refuse to dive in before the tzibur with shoes. So even when he's barefoot and he's willing to dive in, we will not let him. The Gemara explains that these were practices of the Odiyavadazara, Avminim, and we have to be concerned that such a person maybe has leanings towards Avadazara. Hausa Tvilaso Agula, a person makes a Tvilin round as opposed to square, it's a Sakana. Rashi says if it's too round, it could somehow get pushed into his head. Taisa says it means that it doesn't protect him. The olden days would wear Tvilin for protection sometimes. These Tvilin are not kosher, they won't protect him. Vain Ba Mitzvah is no Kuma Mitzvah, of course. Nasna Mitzvah, the person put the Tvilin on his forehead. Not in his hair, on his forehead below the hairline, or while passing or on the palm of his hand. That's the ways of the minim, of the people who are kaifer in uh, Chazal's interpretation of psukim. So here it says beininacha, and they put it literally beininacha, and it says ayodacha, and they put it literally on your hands. That's called derech aminus. Tzipanzavu he covers his tefillin with some sort of some sort of a golden covering. The nasnavis uncle ishalo, or he puts it on top of his sleeve. He wears a tefillin shalyad on top of his sleeve. This is the way of the chitonim, literally the outsiders, people again who understand things differently than Hazal. That um, this is an idea. It says it should be for you for nos and not for others. You're not supposed to wear the tefillin shalyad, at least outside uh, on your on your sleeve. Actually, doesn't explain exactly why covering them with gold would be considered. Now the Gemara asks, my time, what's the reason why we don't let somebody who refuses to daven for the Ahmed with colored clothing or refuse to daven altogether? Because concerned that maybe leanings towards Minus, whereas of Adazara, were, uh, were thrown in him, in other words, are beginning to, uh, to interest him. How is it also Agulu who said in the mission if he makes his turn around, it's a Sakana, it's dangerous in Mitzvah. So Gemara wonders, let's say this Mishnah is a proof, to that which the Brisa says, that Tfilin Rubaos, Tfilin have to be square, and it's Allah Chalmei should be Sinai. Vam Rav and Rav explains this, but Tfarin means the way they're stitched, right, the uh, the Titura, that's the base of the Tfilin, the bottom part of the Tfilin needs to be a perfect square, and there are stitches all around, and the stitches themselves need to be straight and perfect square. So you have stitches all around the uh, the outside of the, well, the top of the titura, of the bottom part of the tefillin, and needs to be square. And then it can't be pulled tight in such a way that it'll disturb the alachson. The alachson is a diagonal. What it means to say is that in a perfect square, so the diagonal of the square is one and two-fifths longer than the side of the square. So if you're not careful, especially if you pull the stitches too tight, you might upset that ratio, and then the tefillin will be puzzled. So the Mishnah says it can't be round. So does it sound like it has to be square? And then it will be a ride this summer? But no. Not being round doesn't mean that it's square. The Mishnah is saying it can't be round, let's say like a walnut, which is really round. But perhaps if it would be like an egg or, or like a lentil, different shapes, that would be okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be square.